welcome to the tournament podcast once again. I'm Nia D'Amelio. He's Trent Dozier. And he's Chase Lilly. Wow. Our friend Chase is here. We have a a special guest, Chase Lilly. We brought him in because... This is a this is a heavy topic this week. We needed some heavy lifting, and and no one is stronger physically than Chase Lilly. I'm told that all the time is that one of my best attributes are, is physical. Our strongest, we welcome them. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and Chase, you're rocking a beautiful mustache right now. It looks oh, yeah. incredible. Thank you. Thank you so much. Looks I, good. Trent, can I just say to you, good morning, man. It's good to see you. <laughs> It's uh right now it's about 12 p.m. Chicago time, but uh-huh. on the West Coast it's 10 a.m., uh, which means it's about three hours earlier than Trent's used to waking up. Okay, okay. <laughs> wow, we got a little So excited to see him. <laughs> we got a little jokester around here. Okay, okay. you guys look great. It's so good to see you. Uh, good to talk so to my to friends. Happy to be here. It's oh good to see gosh. you as well, Chase. Chase. Um, historically is not only a big music boy which is why we wanted him on today's podcast but he is also one of the five founding members of nia's band delushi which i've mentioned a few times on the podcast uh-huh. um and i act like delushi as you know has toured the the world and we have a deep catalog we were just a karaoke band yeah we played but- three shows in, in a theater that no longer exists. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But man, it was sweet. You know, the, the funny thing is that the theater does exist, and it looks exactly <laughs> the same. That's From, what I have seen. I talked to Dan Shea, uh, bassist, and overall great guy. Pretty uh-huh, much the one Dan of the top she. people in America. Uh, the Dan uh-huh. himself, Dan Shea. Um, and I got to tell you, like, he... He keeps like going back in. For some reason, he gets access to IO, <laughs> even though it's like closed down and everything. And he's like, it is exactly the same. If you walked into the mission, you could do a show there right now. Mm. You would just have to like dust the tables. But like, Jeez. it has not, <laughs> they have not changed anything in the theater. It's still just exactly as it was when Delushi was bringing the house down. Mm. unsettling and they were bringing the house down someone else who historically brought the house down uh excellent as a musical group was the beatles yes (laughs) i don't know if anybody out there listening has heard of the beatles um but this week's tournament is uh, one that i think the people weren't demanding but definitely not demanding and the people will be upset about because it's uh we're not really asking a very specific question yeah Sure. Um, this week's sure. tournament is uh, which Beatle from the band The Beatles <laughs> is the best Beatle from the band The Beatles? I love that qualifier. Yeah. Well, because, you know, Beatles <laughs> exist in the world in different fashions. Sure. I guess if you're just looking at it written out, you can tell that it's different because it's not oh, spelled yeah. B-E-E-T. But this is an audio medium. Right, so. but also maybe you might think it's like a VW bug mm. or something. Yeah, I don't or know. like the big bad Beetleborgs. Which mm-hmm. which one uh-huh. of the big bad Beetleborgs do you think is the best? Yes, exactly. <laughs> this guy gets it. Uh, the green so, one, by the way. Yeah, um, it's only a four seater this week. So as yes. always, um, as always, we will uh, run through who is ranked where and why, and okay. then um, mm. and then the three of us will break down, um, or not break down, but predict. Who we think is going oh, to win? I think we're this all going to break down by the end of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> break down. Go ahead and give it to me. All right, it's a little Tom Petty for you. I want to have. <laughs> I want us to. I want us to honestly respect each other a little bit less by the end of this uh-huh. podcast. Uh, okay, so I think we'll definitely get into some fights. So <laughs> Nia, you've ranked the Beatles. Before we get into it, yes. Before we get into it, a fun thing that I thought we could do is uh, I've gone on to the Beatles Wikipedia page, and oh. on tournaments on tournaments in the past where we've had um, people or items, quote-unquote, not make the cut, mm. uh, I'd like to just quickly run down some past Beatles oh, yes. who will not be included in <laughs> mm. our best Beatle tournament. <laughs> uh, everybody, yeah, everybody, please pour some out for Jimmy Nickel, Tommy Moore, 
Norman Chapman, Chaz Newby, Stuart Sutcliffe, and of course, Pete Best. Pete Best. Pete Best, baby. Here's a fun fact quickly about Pete Best. He released an album once that was called Best of the Beatles. And it sold like crazy because people thought it was a great a greatest hits album from the Beatles, but it was really best parentheses Pete of the Beatles. That's genius marketing. I might even argue that the best Beatle is not included in this tournament uh, because we are not including Brian Epstein. Brian Epstein or George Martin. Fam- yeah, good call. Famously, or like or George R. R. Martin or George. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Epstein famously called the the fifth Beatle uh, outside of Paul, like a lot of people think of as the glue and sort of the decision maker that kept a lot of peace. Uh, A lot of a lot of the reason they kept making albums even after they started, you know, a lot of infighting. Yeah, yeah. absolutely right. But, you know, I also understand the purity of the four Beatles that we always see Mm -hmm. being Mm -hmm. the tournament. So respect your decisions. (laughs) Well, let's get into it. Those four Beatles are ranked as follows. The four seed, Ringo Starr. Obvious. The three seed, (laughs) the three seed, George Harrison. Mm -hmm. The two seed, John Lennon. And the one seeded, Paul McCartney. That will give up gives up give us matchups, of course, of the one seed Paul versus the four seeded Ringo, and the two seeded John versus the three seeded George. Mm -hmm. Nia you did some metrics, crunch the numbers. Yeah. Yeah, How I'd love to hear determine? what the process was for this. Yeah. I did a ton of stuff. I filtered this through one. Wait. I filtered this through. One, two, three, four, five, six different metrics. Wow. We've got. Writing credits on Beatles songs mm. as the first metric. Now, <laughs> I went through the entire catalog and broke down the Lennon-McCartney songs between Lennon and McCartney. Mm-hmm. And John has actually written two more songs than Paul. Interesting. Okay. And I see he's written 85 more songs than Ringo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. Okay. So then I took those what I had broken down, everybody's songs, and did a metric of number of Beatles number ones. And Paul actually has four more Beatles number ones than John does, writing credit-wise. And I see Paul's got 19 more number ones than Ringo's zero. (laughs) (laughs) So then I did number of solo albums total and overall record sales total from their solo careers and then I also did number of solo albums just to 1980, as well as record sales to 1980, because I felt like it wasn't fair that most of the Beatles had 20 more years than John Lennon to make sure. music. And what I found was actually really interesting. Um, number of solo albums up to 1980, George made eight. And then for the next 20 years, he only made six more. So it was actually, um, you know, yeah. not that bad. Um, <laughs> but but Paul certainly has the most solo albums, the most overall record sales, that kind of stuff. So then I took all those things, I averaged them together, and we got a ranking. Uh, and Here's my question, though. Yeah. If we're talking about the best Beatle, Mm-hmm. Then are we talking about the best Beatle during the Beatles era on Beatles albums, or are we including solo stuff? Because it's, that's technically not Beatles stuff. Uh huh. I just I, think... curi- I just want to clarify for the audience and myself. And for you and the audience, I think that brings us to the age-old question we ask every week here on the Tournament Podcast, which is, what does best mean? Mm. Best can mean what it want, what mm. you want it to mean. Best to you can mean best Beatle only Beatles era. Best to you can mean best Beatle post Beatles era. Best to you can mean Pete best. I think it can mean whatever we want <laughs> in any situation. There's no right or wrong way. What do you think, Nia? Although I will say, I think for this tournament specifically, maybe best Beatle era is the way I personally would go about it. 
I I agree with that, and I'll tell you if we were just looking at the writing credits on Beatles songs and number of Beatles number ones, the rankings would still be the same. Mm. Um, Paul okay. would still be first, and John would be maybe closer, but uh, still be second, and then George, and then Ringo. So I think that's totally fair. Yeah, it's. I think, you know, Paul McCartney. His birthday's coming up, as I mentioned mm-hmm. on Friday. Uh, <laughs> prolific songwriter, just pumping out tunes. Oh, I know how much Nia loves Paul. Nia and mm-hmm. Paul, I, I, you know, going back to the Delushi days, I, I got a very close understanding of Nia and Paul McCartney <laughs> and how close they were spiritually. Um, <laughs> definitely understand that. Yeah, that's great. Thanks. Well, are, are we one. ready yeah. to discuss the matchups then? Yeah, I'm oh, ready. Oh, before okay. we discuss the matchups, I just yes, want to say I'm recording from a studio in <laughs> Chicago, Illinois, which is why my audio sounds smooth and buttery mm-hmm. like this mm-hmm. on the ones and twos. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I don't know. I just feel like you might notice. <laughs> I okay. wanted to point it out. Fair enough. Yeah, Chase is not with us. Mm. Um, he's with us in spirit always yeah. and today especially. That's beautiful. But... Uh, he's not with us physically currently as we record this live from Burbank, California in the Tournament <laughs> Podcast Pod Center. Burbank, California. Wow. We love it. Okay, cool. as always, we'll start on the left side of the bracket. Let's do it. The one-seated Paul McCartney versus the four-seated Ringo Starr. This is the It Is Not Dying region, mm-hmm. a.k.a. the Two Alive Boys region. <laughs> That is, of course, a lyric from Tomorrow Never Knows. It is not Fucked up. It's honestly kind of fucked up, but it's so... (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will say, uh, I'll say two things before we get into it. Um, One, uh, I already forgot what the first thing I was going to say was. So I'll move on to the second thing, which was uh, uh, about two months ago when Nia and I did uh, the tournament podcast episode of Best Decade in Music... Mm. I received this text from Chase Lilly. Quote, haven't listened yet, but I would like to point out that Trent should never be able to participate in a which music is best tournament of any kind. Yeah. To which I replied. Firmly behind that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To which I replied to Chase, you're right. (laughs) Uh, I love love Trent. Trent is one of my, a friend that I have known for years and years now. We met in improv classes. We were the Uh funny ones. And uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, we met an improv class. We had we had a blast together. We we've been on you know teams together. We mm-hmm. we have definitely whatever. Um, I respect Trent's artistic vision. I love him to death. His taste in music fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like and... on a level of, I would say like every pop hit that has been the most grating song. Yeah. That's what he loves. That's his yes. favorite stuff is like, you know, like Barbie girl. Like, uh, <laughs> like he just loves like, think of like a grating song that gets in your head forever. And it and it wasn't great the first time you heard it. Uh-huh. Yeah. It kind of gets worse over time. He's a real yeah. big fan of one hit wonders. Uh huh. He's a real big, uh-huh. you know, he likes earworms. That sort of uh-huh. yes. it's not like he's gonna sit down and invest in an album and the message that's happening in the album. It's more like, yeah. what am I getting out of this right now? Which is yes. fine, and I don't hold it against him, but it doesn't necessarily make him the best judge no. of of greatness in music. Yes, yeah. yeah. And just I'm... a quick, I mean, a quick example of that. Everybody knows that I love the Beach Boys. And there's a great song called Here Comes the Night on mm-hmm. the Wild Honey album. Sure. And then in 1979, they uh, did a 10-minute disco, a disco remix of Here Comes the Night. And Trent says that that's his favorite Beach Boys song. Yeah. The 10-minute disco remix. So well, if you a- haven't listened to it, listen to it. It's so good. <laughs> I should also say, like, alternately, Nia has great taste in music. Nia listens yes. to lots of music. We don't always agree on everything, mm-hmm. but we True. certainly, respect. I respect her taste in music 100%. She mm-hmm. deserves to have these things. She has earned it. <laughs> she has listened. She's put in the time. Thanks, Trent, Chase. absolutely not. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I and appreciate I, that. I'm I'm here I'm here to agree with both of you. Yeah. Yes. I I don't I shouldn't be. So all that is a extremely long-winded way of saying <laughs> I'll mostly facilitate this. Yeah. Between the two of you. <laughs> we all do like the Beatles, but I don't yes. I don't know what your favorite Beatles stuff is. And that could be telling later down the line. Well, I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's the it's the Beatles Love Cirque du Soleil album. You that know what I mean? That tells you all you That's need w- to know. Wonderful Come Trent. on, folks. Wonderful you know? I am I am who I am. I think if all anything right. it speaks to the power of the Beatles that they have such an umbrella of fans that like hardcore music fans and very casual listeners alike both get something out of their music. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And can I just say also? Yes, you can. This my whole thing about the Beatles. They were my favorite band for a long, long time. Basically, before I dove into the Beach Boy catalog. Mm. The what makes the Beatles so great? And this always, when I say this, people think it's like a negative, like it's a knock on them. But what makes the Beatles so great is that they were only around for like seven years. Yeah. Like actually making records. Mm-hmm. And so it's unlike every other band in the world that's gotten back together, broken up again, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. They're just this perfect little in a bottle. It'll never change. It will never be unbroken. Yes. The songs are there. Those are the ones that you have to deal with. And they're all pretty good. And so yeah. that's why they get this in- enormous, like, totally. they were the best band of all time because they didn't really give themselves a chance to like make a mistake yeah. <laughs> yeah well and like if you think of other like you know radiohead had a 90s era they had a 2000s era they had a 2010 era and now mm-hmm. you know like they made one of the saddest most complete albums a couple years ago called a moonshape pull and like they, they've been that's what their eras are when you talk about mm-hmm. beatles eras it's not real. It's like this all happened right at the same time. I mean, like yes. mm-hmm. they were pumping out an album, a movie, and a like every year, and then they were exactly. expected to do a tour up until the the famous Shea Stadium event that like scarred them forever, and they never did another concert afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, outside of the rooftop one for Abbey Road, but um, I you know, it's just it's it is incredible to think about the sheer volume of work from the Beatles in an amount of time that we don't really perceive like people talk about the 60s Beatles and the 70s Beatles but really that that period was so smushed together it's like the late 60s and the early 70s it's not yeah. like this full decade long period at all whatsoever so I yeah, totally agree with you you're absolutely right yeah uh, we get it I'm just sitting back nodding <laughs> Letting these totally two music it. heads go at it, Delushi for life. Uh, okay, I do. I do remember the first thing I wanted to say that I forgot about um, when I was reading the chase quote, which was um, when Nia and I originally discussed the conceit of this tournament. We thought, <clears throat> you know, we wanted to do a quote unquote living side of the bracket and mm-hmm. a quote unquote dead side of the bracket. Mm. Um, and so the fact that the metrics kind of panned out the way exactly that we wanted it to, mm-hmm. that was also really nice. Um, I I think the general kind of consensus mm. amongst the layperson, me specifically, would be, and I'm not saying this is how the tournament would play out or even how I actually feel, but like when you look at the layperson, I think they would rank this exactly as the metric shook out, which would be Paul one, John two, George three, Ringo four. Yeah. Agreed mm. or disagree? I agree. I think uh, the, the only. <clears throat> I mean, it's just, who are you putting first, John or Paul? It's always between John and Paul. It's always between John and Paul, and like, which is not even a knock on George who wrote some of my favorite Beatles songs, Mm -hmm. but it is just always between John and Paul. And I think that the people that look at this and say anything different would say maybe John over Paul, but I, I mean, personally, I kind of agree with what the metrics are based on what people will vote on i just think that the surprise would be in the john paul matchup that is inevitable mm. yes inevitable sure like yes. thanos yeah okay here we go let's get into it then the one-seated paul mccartney four-seated ringo star you want to start with ringo or you want to start with big papa paul uh let's start with ringo i think because this will probably be the only time that we talk about <laughs> <laughs> um listen 
Ringo, I think, you know, the the three other Beatles who are all broody and, mm-hmm. um, uh, I don't know, are thinking and creating all the time, will all tell you that before Ringo, there were no Beatles. Like, mm. it all happened when Ringo came and it clicked. So we, we have Ringo to thank for... Um, basically giving the three hotheads some confidence just because he's he's Ringo. He's yeah. very chill, um, loves his job. Peace and love. We saw the All-Star Band a few years ago, one oh, of the greatest concerts we've ever been to. The return to. of concert experiences. We love music. We love watching people play music. This is Concert Experiences. Yes, concert experiences. Yes, and in fact... One of the best concerts. Not only did Ringo and his all-star band absolutely kick ass and shred and take names, uh, the opening group that night was the Beach Boys. And they sucked. And they sucked. <laughs> no way. Yes. Yeah, way. Well, it was, well the Mike, it was the Mike Love version of the oh, Beach Boys. Oh, fuck Mike Love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. but fuck Mike Love. Listen, no, I don't, don't know. Don't apologize. I don't know a lot about a lot, and I obviously don't know a lot about music. But fuck Mike Love. Yeah. Give me Brian Wilson's weird ass any day mm-hmm. of the week. Get him out Hell there. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. So, Stamos looked good on drums, though. He was. John cool. Stamos was there. Um, but you know, Ringo. I mean, he's got some good songs that he did as Ringo Starr, mm-hmm. but as the Beatles, you know, they gave him a, a vocal pretty much on every record, but he's only got two writing credits, which are Don't Octopus's Pass Me Garden, By baby. and Octopus's Garden. Oh, which, by the way, I have... Octopus's Garden is fun as hell. To me, it is. Yeah. I love Octopus Garden. Uh, I, I, you know, it's so dumb, but like... If you play Octopus's Garden for any kid, you will see their face light up immediately. Yeah. That like, yeah. I'd like to be. You know, it's just like it's every kid in the world is just like, oh, I understand this. Like, yeah. And there's something yeah. that's wonderful about the simplicity of it, and it's fun, and it's a catchy tune, and I, I'm not against it. I also think that Ringo, it for my estimation, most attractive Beatle. I, wow. Some people would disagree with me. A lot of people would disagree with me, but. He is the Beatle that I think is the sexiest. Um, mm. Just on a pure... Uh, I know that he's kind of odd-looking, but he's not as much of a pretty boy as Paul. Not my thing, you know? Uh, <laughs> you know, John just is so sharp in his features. He's very sharp. Very sharp mm-hmm. features, and also always has that sort of smug look on his face that, mm. you know... Ringo just looked like he was just there and he was just vibing, you know, mm-hmm. and that's my sort of level. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe George would be my number two, but I, okay. I think Ringo most attractive. Um, the And then the third thing I'll say about Ringo is that I, I think that his drumming gets disrespected so much. And mm-hmm. I think that he is an absolutely necessary part of the Beatles because his drumming is sort of the connective tissue for the whole band in a way. I mean, like, I get it. Paul and John wrote these incredible songs. You know, George, an incredible guitarist, and every now and then would, you know, we get it. You went to India. You love the sitar. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, like, Ringo's drumming was, like, I don't think that we realize the effect that Ringo's drumming still has on pop music today. Mm. And the way that people drum now today and how much of that comes from from Ringo. Um, A lot of it at the time was considered to be super simple because but the Beatles wouldn't be the Beatles if they had a jazz drummer or some sort of like super, you know, some sort of um, uh, like Keith Moon or like some kind of crazy, insane drumming style that's like all over the place and wild, like the simplicity of it is what makes a lot of the songs land. And he does mm-hmm. complicated beats, but he definitely knows, like... I mean, like... It's the first instance of something feeling kind of, like, looping. Um, mm-hmm. And he has this sort of looping effect on songs so that when he does change into a transition, it's super effective. And mm-hmm. I just think that um, Ringo doesn't get enough respect for being an incredible drummer. And one of the reasons that people 
connect to the Beatles that they don't realize that that's the reason that they're connecting to them. Incredible yeah. drums. If you listen to like a vinyl on like a really nice system of some of those albums, the drums come through beautifully. Um, I, what's your favorite? Should we talk about favorite album, favorite Beatles album? Top Beatles sure. album? <clears throat> yeah, we can talk favorite Beatles album. I, I mean, my favorite Beatles album is probably Rubber Soul, but mm. I also love Abbey Road, of course, which contains... Ringo's um Ringo's solo mm-hmm. um and <laughs> and I just want to I want to add to your comment about Ringo's drumming I think I heard him say this in an interview once he is one of those people who writes right-handed but does everything else left-handed and mm. so he has described his drumming as like he has to like uh, you know, follow his hands in a very unique way because mm. they're like weirdly dominant with certain tasks. And so mm. that makes Ringo's drumming super unique. Like that's a very unique well, circumstance. And the way that he does that back and forth with his hand where it looks like wand yes. waving on the cymbals, yes. um, mm-hmm. that is, you see that everywhere now. I mean, like you mm-hmm. see that, I remember being a huge fan of Darren Jesse who plays drums for Ben Folds five back in the nineties. Um, and I was so obsessed with him doing that because th- he would play, uh, I don't know if you heard the song Kate. Now when I look I back, I love Kate, the song Kate, you realize it's a Beatles song. That is yes. a Beatles song. And it's like the way that he <laughs> plays it is like a Beatles song. And he does that back and forth wand waving thing on the ride and on the hi hat. And it's mm-hmm. like, especially the, the ride. It's always on the ride that he does that little wand waving thing. It's such a cool, move i don't know if it affects the sound at all but i think that it gives it kind of a flow and anytime that you're playing music and you're kind of dancing a little bit or moving a little bit it gives the song the groove that that it's supposed to get if you stand perfectly still even when you're recording it just doesn't work for some reason Mm -hmm. like you have to be Mm -hmm. able to feel the song you have to be able to like something has to be happening emotionally connected to it and i just think Mm -hmm. that that's like anyway i love ringo it's obvious he's the four. It's obvious Paul McCartney's going <laughs> to send him to the ground. I just want you to know. You can't make a band with just a drummer. But <clears throat> respect him a lot. Think that I do not think that he's a somebody to write off in this thing. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, and again, I'll say, if you have the chance to go see Ringo Starr and his all-star band, absolutely go no. out of your way to do it. It's good. It yeah. was an incredible show. Yeah. Love it. Love yeah. it. Okay. Do we want to talk about Paul now, or do we want to save it for when we talk about him in the finals? I think we almost have to move to George just so that we can talk about the heavy hitters. The right side of the bracket, the two-seated John Lennon versus the three-seated George Harrison. This is the all-good-children-go-to-heaven region. Which is from You Never Give Me Your Money off of Abbey Road. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, yes, a.k.a. the dead beetle region. Yeah, <laughs> we had a few choices uh, that were pretty more good band name. Up. The Dead Beatles is a pretty good band yeah. name. <laughs> uh, so you want to talk about George? Are you talking to me? Yeah, I have nothing to say. He's cool. <laughs> <clears throat> He's good. I like the Beatles as a group, but I can't different. Like Nia will be like, "Who do you think is singing on this song?" And I'll be like, "Well, I know it's not Ringo." <laughs> And that's about as best as I can do. <laughs> yeah. George, um, I can I can start the George conversation. Yeah, that'd yeah. probably be good. Um, I'm here to facilitate. I, I love George Harrison. He mm-hmm. is easily the Beatle that I listen to, like solo record-wise, easily mm. the Beatle that I listen to second most, I would say, in some years more than Paul McCartney. Wow. Yeah. Um, I have his extended autobiography, I Me Mine. I love that Scorsese doc about George. I think he's such a fascinating person. It's so long. (laughs) So long. That's Scorsese for you, baby. But um, I love All Things Must Pass. That's Mm. so, you know, obvious to say. But the record, um, the triple album that he did, and it's such a middle finger to the other Beatles uh, that he did a triple record right out of the gate. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. That's a great record. And then I really like, uh, I think, Made in England and then Cloud Nine and then Brainwashed, which came out after he died. Um, the song Brainwashed, I really like. And then 
sorry, I'm just barfing stuff about George. I love the Traveling Wilburys, mm. which is George Harrison, Bob Dylan, Roy Orbison, Jeff Lynne from ELO, and Tom Petty. They're such a weird group. They made two albums. So if I could jump in then real quick. Yeah. It seems like you are confirming that George should be the three seed because all of this is post-Beatle stuff. I would mm. say mm. yes. Yes, I think... The question I think we have to ask with George is that, like, you know, it's like Oprah in the Meghan Markle interview. Were you silent or were you silenced is mm. kind of the, the question I have. Mm-hmm. And I actually don't know the answer because George is the youngest Beatle. And he, I don't think, was ready at the beginning of the Beatles to, to turn out the volume of songs that mm. Paul and John were turning out mm. but by the end he had a lot more in the tank obviously <clears throat> yeah sure um so i just you know could george have been something else in the beatles obviously he's like definitely third at that time mm-hmm. um i don't know those are my thoughts and it's totally. a lot of them i think they're good i i will say that admittedly george is the beetle i know the least about and of um I mean, outside of Ringo. I, Same. But, uh, Ringo, I think, had a bigger effect on me because I drummed in high school and I like his drumming. Um, mm. So I liked him as a musician, um, it, knowing that his songwriting ability was Octopus's Garden. Um, <laughs> jo- George. George, I like a lot of his songs. Um, mm-hmm. And I, like, I, my favorite album's Revolver. Revolver mm-hmm. to me is like a perfect album, beginning to end, no skips. Um, but I recently learned that Taxman is not this sort of anthem for, <laughs> like he was mad that they were getting paid. They'd hit like a certain threshold of wealth and he was mm-hmm. mad that he was getting taxed too much, which is sort of like not the argument that I'm into. I think if you hit a certain <laughs> amount of wealth, pay your fucking taxes. Yeah. Um, you're fine. You could live like a beetle, you know, like you're fine. You've got yeah. money. Um, yeah. So that's, you know, whatever. I, but I also think that like every band, like the Beatles needs a sort of George Harrison style person. You need that sort mm-hmm. of quiet. Uh, obviously there is something going on there. Very creative. His guitar playing is, is so interesting and it's so um, again, very simple. In the same way that, like, Ringo's drumming is very simple, but it's engaging, it's interesting, it's, like, also the the creation of this, like, um, these, like, really simple pop riffs um, mm-hmm. that I think that weren't, it's not like it didn't exist, but certainly the first instance of, like, it becoming majorly popular around that time. So I, I do, I love George, I don't know that much about him. I watched that Martin Scorsese doc. He seemed like a nice little quiet man who just wanted to, you know, do acid in India. And, you know, don't we all? Um, yeah. I, I think that, I, sh- I mean, I, would lo- I should get more into his solo albums. I have not listened to him that much. I know that he did the triple LP and I knew he was in that group, but I couldn't have named all those members the way that Nia just did. Uh. Um, which was wild to watch her just... <laughs> Absolutely spit those out. That was wild. So fun. Big traveling Wilburys. Um, I think that he is firmly placed in the right spot at three. I do yeah. not think he will be John Lennon. Yeah, I think I agree. Um, I think this John Lennon George Harrison matchup like sort of comes down to like how into the Beatles are you? Because mm. I feel like if you're like really into the Beatles. There could be, you know, like people who are like really into something would mm. be like, well, George is actually the best Beatle, you mm. know, like on like on their sort of high horse. No offense, sure, if sure, that's sure. you. He's the best baby. <laughs> exactly, um, but I think to the regular person and even to us, it's got to be John. Like, no question. Yeah. Um, but George, I mean, if we're talking Abbey Road, George has got something. And George has Here Comes the Sun. And Frank Sinatra once said that something was his favorite Lennon-McCartney song, which, what a blow to George. What an absolute blow to George who wrote that song by himself. (laughs) Sure. 
Sure, sure, sure. But yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I wish I had more to say about George, but I just don't have that much to say about him. I don't mm-hmm. have that Fair. much to say about George. He's a quiet man. Uh, I love while my guitar gently weeps, but it's not the Beatles, so can't really qualify it as part of the best Beatle thing. Nia um, actually hates While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Oh, no way! <clears throat> I also love Listen. While My Guitar Gently Weeps, so I don't know if that's better for your argument or worse for your argument. I've learned Chase. in recent years to articulate why I don't like that song. And love it. I don't, I don't like the White Album version. I don't like mm. the overproduced, multi-instrumental version. I think gotcha. it's way overproduced. But I've heard the demos, mm. and I actually like the song. When okay. it's stripped down, but I hate the piano and I don't know. It's just okay. too much on the record for, That's for me. The White Album is a tough one. I mean, I feel like the White Album has, you know, John is like really pushing the experimentation. I remember listening to Revolution Number no. 9 when I was like very young. I was like in, uh, not very young, but like seventh grade. I think that mm-hmm. I went to the library. I used to go to the library and like I would pick up albums or like little cds it was like right when cd burners had come were like a thing i would go to the library rent cds and bring them back and like my first experience with the beatles as like a full thing was um rubber soul and the white album and i listened to revolution number nine and was terrified like it (laughs) gave me nightmares Mm -hmm. because of the headspace that it puts you in which is like this dark drug fueled (laughs) you know a very dark space um, yeah. So yeah, I you know I get it, but anyway, I don't have anything else to say about George. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, fair. Let's move to John. Okay, this is our projected finals matchup. Then the number one seeded <laughs> winner of the It Is Not Dying region, Paul McCartney versus the number two seeded winner of the All Good Children Go to Heaven region, John Lennon. And you want to talk about JL first? Sure. Great. Yes, please yeah. do. There would be no Beatles without John Lennon. It was his band. Mm-hmm. Let's start there. Um, he had the he had the the ego and the pomp to start his own band, the Quarrymen, and then he sort of like a snowball picked up Paul McCartney and George Harrison, and then other people fell off, and then pretty much it was just the three of them. And then they were constantly trying to find a drummer until they stole Ringo mm-hmm. um, from another band. Uh, you know, maybe Paul would have come up with another band. I could see that. Or, you know, I often think that Paul could have been like a musician, like not even in a band, just like a, like a one studio, of those guys. like a session. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe musician. even a session musician. Um, John Lennon absolutely wanted to be famous and uh, he got what he wanted. He died for it. <laughs> Yikes. Mm. Um, Am I wrong? No. So. I I really I really enjoyed doing the metrics because I got to break out. I mean, and a lot of these things were things that I knew like subconsciously, like some of the catalog you listen to, you're like, "Well, John obviously wrote that even if it's, you know, accredited to Lennon McCartney." But I liked breaking the stuff out. He has especially a lot of the earlier hits that I really love. Like "Thank You Girl" is all him. And uh I feel fine, all John. Um he I feel like he is the person that people think of when they think of the Beatles. And I don't know if it's because he was murdered at a very young age. And, I think it has you know, something to do with it. I think He sort of I lives in infamy. The sort of legend of John Lennon is more powerful than John yes. Lennon. Mm. Agreed. So, um, yeah, I mean, I obviously a great, a great Beatle. He's got great tunes that he wrote. Um, I don't subscribe to the belief that Yoko Ono broke up the Beatles. I think that Paul McCartney broke up the Beatles. Um, also, so, Yoko Ono, better artist than people give her credit for. Mm. Agreed. I don't. She's so villainized because she is a woman and she is not white. Um, but that is a conversation for a different day. Uh, <laughs> By probably <yeah>. not us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Definitely not us. Um. So I don't know if he will I don't know who's going to win ultimately. But what what's what are everybody else's thoughts about John Lennon? 
Yeah, I mean, I think I'm on the same page with you about John. I, here's the thing that's difficult, is that I see a lot of myself in John Lennon. <laughs> oh, oh, no. My. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, my. What that's a statement. <laughs> what a statement. And that, like, you know, I, I am always willing to do something or jump into it, even if I'm over my head a little bit. I'm always mm-hmm. willing to, like... Get in there and just let's just do it. Let's just make the thing. Let's just go for it and let's experiment. And whatever turns out, that's what it is. You know, like Mm -hmm. that sort of um, whatever. Uh, But I don't think it's always the best quality to have. And I think it has to be partnered with something like Paul McCartney because somebody has to be able to do it. You know? Right. Um, Somebody has to have the ability. (laughs) Um, Yes. Here's like. I'll even say Delushi would have been nothing without Nia. If we didn't have Nia in Delushi, somebody with technical ability and like could actually perform some of the things, we would be not like the guitar stuff that I did was so simple and basic and very like the reason I love punk music is because I can play it, you know? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can't mm-hmm. fucking play Van Halen, so I don't listen to Van Halen, you know? Like <laughs> <laughs> I think there's always an element of listening, especially as a musician or anything. You know, like if you're in any creative space or any creative mm-hmm. thing, you know that sort of feeling of uh, uh, could I do this? You know, you mm-hmm. see a great performance and you're like, could I do that? Could I act that well? Or could I, you know, like, could I paint something like that? Or could I, you know, like, mm-hmm. there's a huge part of it that's emotional and how does it make you feel? But there is also this element of how, like, putting yourself in that place, um, which I think great music does because it's like communication, it's empathy. That's what music is. So, mm-hmm. like, I think that. John Lennon is incredible. He's written some incredible songs. He's found that sort of creative space where he's gone to whatever. But I don't think that John Lennon reaches anything without Paul McCartney because Paul McCartney had the ability. He had the absolute... And George Harrison and Ringo, for that matter. Like, Mm -hmm. John Lennon... Which I also think is maybe evidenced by his solo albums i was john lennon has imagine which is a great song yeah but name other john lennon songs that you're super into yeah and you won't find that much and if you listen to imagine over and over again eventually you'll be like i don't know what are the solutions that you were providing john (laughs) (laughs) we can all point out yeah exactly (laughs) um yeah so John Lennon is one of those people that I have a you know a ton of respect for but I don't think he's anything without Paul McCartney or George Harrison mm-hmm. or Ringo Starr. Um and I, I think agree. that he is such a big personality too. I, I think a huge part of it is that he's such an outspoken personality. You know mm-hmm. like you know the, one of the great things about the Beatles is if you ever watch the old videos is how much chemistry they had together off the stage. You know, mm-hmm. they were funny. They were so mm-hmm. funny together. Mm-hmm. And, like, th- the way that they handled media even, where they, they're not taking it seriously, they're kind of making fun of the journalists, and the journalists are loving it. A lot of mm-hmm. people didn't get away with that. Lou Reed mm-hmm. tried to do that, and he just pissed everybody off. Remember <laughs> <laughs> what? Lou Reed would fuck with journalists all the time, and they hated him. They hated him at that time. Um, but, John, you know, John and Paul would have this, like, back-and-forth, sort of like you know they were funny they were so funny together um so i think john a, a huge portion of his respect comes from personality and from mm-hmm. character and i don't think that and also an incredible voice too i should also say yeah. a very and specific a voice yes yeah a hundred percent a very very unique instrument and like knew how to use it in a way that felt very honest um, which is, a, I think, one of the most important things in music is just being able to tell that somebody's being honest when they're singing or playing or whatever it is. It feels mm-hmm. honest. Um, and he always was that. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of it's just he was a charisma machine, a total charisma yeah. machine. And and I think that that is what people remember. And then the fact that he died young, obviously. Yeah. But um, I think that's that's what I, I still rank him above George and Ringo. 
because I think that he was more necessary to the Beatles than George and Ringo were. But I also Agreed. think he is nothing without the other Beatles. So yeah. it's a it's a big give and take for me. Yeah. I got nothing to add. I think that's right on the money. Did um did you guys ever own that that blue John Lennon Imagine shirt? You know what I'm talking about? No. You don't know what I'm talking about? Both. It said Imagine on it and it <laughs> Was it like a Target person purchase <clears throat> so everybody had it? Yeah. Because I had a few Beatles Target tees yeah. this that is everybody a, the, has. The shirt I'm wearing now is actually a Beatles Target tee. <laughs> All that is to say I owned a, the John Lennon Imagine shirt. Anyways. Well, uh, I, I would argue, too, that like we all learned sort of the shallowness of the song Imagine in the pandemic. In the quarantine. Yes, yes. <laughs> the, beautiful, Gadot, the beautiful like, cover by Gal Gadot. Imagine there's no heaven. I kind of made her sound like Bjork just now. Yeah, she did sound like <laughs> it would have been better if Bjork had covered it. Uh, Bjork would have killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gal Gadot kind of taking on a bunch of L's during the pandemic, but oh, I'll say one more thing. John Lennon wrote my favorite Beatles song of all time, which I was talking to you about before. Um, oh yeah, Tomorrow Never Knows. Tomorrow Never Knows is is such a cool song. Uh, mm-hmm. I have actually, I don't, I've never even gone that deep on the lyrics. I just mean that song specifically i think i always hear like physically what a song feels like before i even get into the lyrics Um, Mm -hmm. and that song grabs me instantly every single time a big part of it's ringo Starr's drumming by the way is that like those like heavy like weird snare syncopations and everything like it's just like and then the birds oh yeah what's going on um and the vocals being like just so trippy and cool and like yeah, I think that like that's easily my favorite Beatles song on my favorite Beatles album. Uh, so I don't want to say that, you know, I'm not shitting on John Lennon or anything. I just mean that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I, I think it really your your argument, like you said, is really uh, supported by the solo. Kirk. Yes. Um, especially compared to the number one seed, Sir. Paul McCartney. Anything to say? I've seen Paul McCartney in concert three times. Wild. And and so all cool. three were great. Here's my Paul McCartney concert experience. <clears throat> this one's a doozy. Buckle up, boy, you're gonna get woozy. This is my Paul experience. The first I've seen him twice. Once was with Trent. Once was when I was 16. It was a birthday present to me from my family. And we couldn't get four seats together. So we got two, like, very close, like, 13 rows back center from the stage. And then two, like, somewhere in the back. Mm. And it was my birthday present, so they put me in the front. They play, if you've ever been to a Paul McCartney concert, recently at least, they play like EDM remixes of Paul's songs, but like, <laughs> but like they're chill, but like, so that was happening for like an hour and they're like, they scroll the log of like, cool. I don't know. It's like, you're, it's a fun waiting game to see Paul. I was so excited and I was like, what's he going to play? Blah, blah, blah. And I was with my mom and then the lights went down. And then he came out on stage, and I just have never cried harder in my life. I didn't think I was going to cry. I completely went full Beatlemania. I was sobbing. I felt like I was going to throw up. I was doubled over, sobbing. My mom's putting her hand on my back. She's like, are you okay? Like, literally, oh. I was near death. So then we have a we had a digital camera when I was sixteen. It was like twenty ten. Um, he he started with like a medley of songs that went into Jet, and so mm. on the camera of me recording Paul, all you hear is me screaming as if someone is murdering me. Jet, I'm literally going like Jet, like it's so <laughs> blood curdling. I absolutely had a total panic attack at the Paul <laughs> concert. And then I maintain that he looked directly at me during I'm looking through you, 
which is the great irony of my life. That's my Paul McCartney concert experience, and I think it's a good story. So I always like. I love that. Stand. That's wonderful. Oh, go ahead, Chase. As a what I was gonna say too is that like opposed to a song like Imagine, which feels very shallow and very like if you're thinking about the really iconic songs that they wrote, um, um, oh, for some reason I just fully blanked on a song that is the most famous song of all time of Paul McCartney. Live uh, and let die. No. Um, let maybe it, I'm amazed. No, a great one. Um, let it be. Yes. Oh, way to go! Um, I, or I'm no, I'm not even. Sorry, yesterday. Yesterday. Ah, uh, yes. yesterday, yesterday. I think is one of those songs. Like I think a, a great song is written in the moment about your emotional state at that time, mm-hmm. and nothing feels more honest to me than yesterday. Like, mm-hmm. and everybody knows that feeling of like, yes, you know, like. It just feels so honest and so it's the opposite of whatever. It's not pretending to be something bigger than what it is. It is literally mm-hmm. like a vulnerable moment where you're like, I did I did not feel this way yesterday. I did not feel this way. Like that sort of yeah. longing to go back in time to change mm-hmm. something or, mm-hmm. or just have that moment back again. I think it's such a simple premise. It's an amazing song. Um, and it's the anti-imagine. So yeah. <laughs> yes. when it comes to stuff standing the test of time because of it, usually it's because you wrote a great song in the moment, not you wrote some sprawling epic masterpiece, um, mm-hmm. unless you're Brian Wilson. But like, that's my <laughs> my thought behind it. Yeah. Sorry. I think, keep going. I think that uh, for when I was getting into the Beatles in like middle school, I think that must be a... a a ripe age to get into the Beatles. Same. I was such a huge fan of John Lennon. And then I was especially doubled down on that because I believe that Paul McCartney broke up the Beatles. And for a long time, I was angry with Paul McCartney about that. But I think that it all just collapsed. (laughs) Like with, with adult eyes, I'm able to see that it was actually nobody's fault. They just weren't getting along and they needed to do their separate things. But when I, even then and now, my favorite Beatles songs are written by Paul McCartney. Um, and my favorite song for a long time, and I would say still is, um, is Mother Nature's Son, mm. which is on the White Album. And then the first Beatles song I ever learned on piano was Martha, My Dear. And I think that just Paul McCartney, you can tell, has taken so many cues from music throughout time and totally you know his dad was a, a big band leader and that's very much in a song like martha my dear or like honey pie um your mother should know they're all very sort of jazzy um he can change his voice to something mm. like oh darling and then also sing yesterday i mean he just like mm. is a lover of music he's mm. an absolute genius mm. about music i said to trent the, literally yesterday i went people want to call brian wilson a genius paul mccartney is more of a genius than brian wilson and you know i love brian wilson so mm. he he just is so intelligent when it comes to music and um Man, the boy also knows how to market himself. He gets, he understands the business. He mm. has that, te- like, just that, like, ability to, like, make yourself something that people will like. And that has really served him well. Totally. Um, you know, Paul's playing stadiums still, and he's going to be 79 on Friday. Oof. So it's, he. He's the best Beatle. I think there's no question <laughs> that it's Paul McCartney. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Just so re- just he's so in- he does such interesting things like beyond rock and roll that mm. the other guys were not doing. They were firmly rooted in whatever they thought was cool in rock mm. and roll. And Paul McCartney was saying, "Well, I love, I love, you know." come josephine my flying machine or whatever like from 1912 i love that song what if we did that and you know like just like some so or what if we did uh, he he, yeah you're totally right he could do like modern day avant-garde or modern day at the time avant-garde he definitely paid attention to the art communities around him but then he would write a song um what's that song in revolver that's like very vaudeville 
Um, on Revolver? Uh, um, doesn't matter, but... Oh, I'm just going to look it up. Uh, you got to look it up. I know he's got Here, There, and Everywhere on there. He's got Eleanor Rigby on Revolver. Oh, gosh, Eleanor Rigby. Obvious, obvious but incredible and evergreen. But incredible doesn't sound like anything... Evergreen. The first time I heard Eleanor Rigby, I just like, there's some things that are just so, could be at any time period, and you know that it would be popular, regardless yeah. of yes. whether it is. There's some bands that, like, there most, just to give you a different example that's non-Beatles related, but I think of, like, uh, The Violent Thims. Um Everybody's heard that song, uh, Blister in the Sun, and they all think it's from the time that they were in high school. But mm. it was in the early 80s. It was like 1982 mm. is when Blister in the Sun came out. And everybody, everybody that I've ever met, it's like, oh, yeah, that song came out like around when I was in high school. It's like, no, that's just <laughs> when you heard it for the first time and connected yeah. with it and didn't yeah. know that it was like an older song. Um, anyway, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Uh, I'm not going to actually find that song right now, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it just seems like a lot of work. Uh, but I, I love what you said about him changing his voice too. I think that's yes. such a good point. Uh, he could go very, very, very soft and gentle and like intimate and then switch up to like this big, loud, bluesy, pained, crazy voice. I, yeah, I think you're so right. And you know what? I think John Lennon was so jealous of him that John Lennon's the reason the Beatles broke up. I mean, mm -hmm. I I truly believe that John Lennon was insanely jealous of Paul and led to that. And John Lennon was, like, known to do stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. I don't – you probably know this story. Do you know – are you a fan of Harry Nielsen? I I am a fan of Harry Nielsen, not enough to probably know the story that you're going to tell. So Harry Nielsen – everybody knows who Harry Nielsen is, even if they don't think that they do. He did the lime and the coconut. Put the lime mm -hmm. in the coconut. We drink them all mm. But that was like one of his silly songs. He actually had this incredible voice. It was three octaves. Um, he... Everybody is talking about me. Yeah. I love that song. Yes. He does like, he'll go like super serious, sad songs. Uh, Jump Into the Fire is really probably my favorite of his. I found him because of LCD Sound System. He did mm. a cover of that. And I was like, oh, cool. And I just like went through his whole discography. It, and, and it's incredible. It's all incredible. Um, a really incredible voice. John Lennon wrecked his voice. Apparently when they would get together, they would just go out and like get messed up drunk and, and do all this stuff together. They I were like big were party friends. animals. Yeah. And, and he always like loved Harry Nilsson. But he produced one of his albums and he was trying to get him to do this like really pained, scratchy vocal and he kept pushing him further and further and further until Harry Nilsson's vocal cord one like snapped and he lost oh. one of the octaves in his vocals oh because John Lennon pushed him so far. So like and I do I just think there's an element of it of like John Lennon had a great voice but he couldn't sing like Harry Nilsson. There's always right. been this sort of jealousy with John Lennon where it's like if Jealous I can't guy, if I can't do it then it's not valuable or or i yes. need to like <clears throat> do something with it i it just seems like i guess i agree with everything that you're saying earlier is that paul mccartney for me best beetle um and he kind of is the the beatles yes. he's not the, he's not the face of the beatles but if you're going to listen to a beatles record or right. or an album or in any you know again era is a misnomer but like on mm -hmm. any one of the the beatles records the reason that it has such cohesiveness the reason that it's crazy the reason that it feels so wild and experimental and different and varied is because mm -hmm. paul mccartney was so good at writing a song based on what he was um interested in and genuinely connected to versus mm -hmm. what he thought was a cool thing to do or a cool you know uh, right. thing for the time. He just wasn't afraid to really uh, make art on, on the most honest level that you can possibly do it. Yeah. Um, and he had the ability to back it up. He's so talented. He's so uh, talented. I, I Playing guitar and singing is kind of easy, especially rhythm guitar. It's mm -hmm. kind of easy. It's not that hard. Y you know, 
playing bass the way that Paul McCartney plays the bass and yes. singing is impossible. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I have so much respect for people who can play the bass the way that Paul McCartney plays the bass and sing at the same time. I think it's really difficult, way more difficult than people give it credit for because like it's such an I've important. Heard, yeah. I've heard people be, uh, I've heard people uh, criticize the way that Paul McCartney plays the bass, which I've never understood because it is like the bass in every Beatles song has its own melody. Like I'm thinking this just, I just watched help the other day. So mm -hmm. I, the album's in my head, but the night before the song, the night before, if you listen to the bass in that song, that has an, its own melody and mm. Paul sings that song. So he's doing two melodies at once. And that's my favorite kind of bass, too. When I hear a bass that sounds like it's singing along, mm -hmm. but in a different way that's giving it, like, it's such a, a difficult thing to, and Dan the Man Shea, uh, mm -hmm. I think that, like, to play rhythmically, to provide the rhythm while still sound like you're singing the song. Mm -hmm. Is such a difficult thing, and and the way that he play again, I think the the with what you're saying, like the reason it's so hard to sing and play the way that you're doing is that your head's doing one melody, and your hands are doing a different melody. You mm -hmm. know, with guitar, it's just a chord. It, it's like the the thing that surrounds the melody. It doesn't provide mm -hmm. necessarily a new melody while you're singing. Nobody mm -hmm. takes a solo while they're singing. Right. No, nobody's ripping a solo like this while they're singing because it's a different melody happening um, and that might be confusing to your brain if you try to do it at the same time. Paul mm -hmm. did that through his whole career. It is so hard to do that. It's so impressive. Um, yeah, I just think musically he's, he's the best musician. He was the best songwriter. Mm -hmm. um, and he kind of was the Beatles, even if he wasn't necessarily always like the face of the Beatles, the way that John yes. was. Yes. Okay, so then let me ask you guys this to wrap it up. Obviously, I'll use the collective we here. <laughs> Obviously, we think that Paul is the best Beatle. Yeah. Looks like Paul's doing the best at this now. Mm -hmm. But what do the two of you think uh, the voters will say? Do you think they will agree? Do you think... They will select Paul as the best Beatle. Do you think it will be close between John and Paul? Do you think George could even upset John? As mm. usual, it really is going to depend on who's voting in this. Mm -hmm. And man, every week has been different. It depends on who this who this poll reaches. Mm. I think that no question the final will be between Paul and John. I think there is a... I'm going to say it's as close as 60-40 chance that Paul being 60-40 being John. I think John has a huge chance of winning this um, this tournament, even if, you mm. know, despite our opinions, because we don't vote. So I think people just know, you know, like we were saying, like he's associated with the Beatles. You think of John when you think of the Beatles, and he has that myth, mythic lore around him. Um, mm. also sort of like the Beatles, John Lennon is sort of like preserved in a time capsule, mm. you know, because, because he was murdered, uh, at such a young age. Um, I would hope that people would pick Paul McCartney. And I think that Paul still does have the best shot at winning, but I do see a path for John, a John victory. That's mm. my opinion. I think it'd be hard to hear this podcast and then not pick paul <laughs> well i got it i got to tell I, you i know Chase. we're not supposed to influence the decision and i hope that people <laughs> give us an you know if they're if you're gonna push back you better come with the facts yeah <laughs> you better back it up y'all you better come with the facts well, you better hope that people listen to the podcast before they vote because historically, the case. <laughs> historically, people are just ripping off votes yeah. without listening. So, yeah, we 
Well, I could not shut up. I drank coffee this morning, and I just am realizing, I mean, it's a podcast. It's all you do is talk, but yeah. Yeah. could not shut up during this one. And no I loved it. Chase, That's why we had you on. Yeah, we needed you. We needed you. Obviously, I could provide nothing. Can you imagine if this was me and Nia? <laughs> oh, I had a blast. This is so fun. So, so, yeah. so fun. I, think I also had a blast. If I had to guess, I do think people will choose. I, I, I think it will just come down to Paul and John. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody, even if you're if you're not listening, maybe John could beat Paul. But I think if that happens, it's because people associate John with the character, the legend, yeah, John Lennon, and not with the actual impact on the music mm-hmm. or the albums or the the sort of rise to to whatever. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. There's only four uh, tournaments or four uh, seeds this week, which means there's only going to be two matchups. So that just means two times to vote. The opening round, the semifinals, will be open for voting Monday, June 14th, and Tuesday, June 15th. And then finals voting will take place Wednesday, June 16th, and Thursday, June 17th. So two days, ample time to get your vote in for both rounds. And then, of think, course, think about it. Yeah, think about it. Take some time and sit think about it. Sit with your decision. It. No one's saying you got to vote on Monday. You can wait until <laughs> Tuesday. Yeah. Let it ruminate. Yeah. Um, and then Friday, we will reveal the uh, the winner of the Best Beetle Tournament on the, pa- on the podcast. And Chase will be back joining us again. You'll hear Chase in your ear holes again on uh, Friday. Yes. And especially yeah. because we've got Chase on Central Time and you get two days to vote. We're going to close the Thursday poll a little earlier than we usually do. Yeah. It'll definitely be closed by 8 p.m., but you would, I would say, get them in there before. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in round one, really take your time to vote, but in round two, vote as quickly as possible. <laughs> <laughs> you still have two days, so it'll be okay. Uh, the, the link to vote, the link to the vote center is in the notes for the uh, this podcast episode that you're listening to. Or, of course, if you follow us across any of our social media platforms, we're at the Tourney Pod, and the link to vote is there. Or you can visit thetridentnetwork.com slash the-tourney-pod, and you can click Vote Now on our website there. There's so many ways to get it, yeah. as per usual. So. If you're confused you on incredible. how to vote, text any <laughs> of us. You guys are so good at this. You're so good uh, at it. Look at you. Thanks. Thanks, at Thanks buddy. Um, wow, that's it. We'll talk Can't to you again on, on Friday, Chase. Well, for us, it'll be Thursday night. But <laughs> everyone will hear the conversation we had Thursday night on Friday. Um, yeah. Thanks, you guys, for listening. Yeah. And thank you. Thank you, Chase. Yes, thank, thank you, you, Chase. On behalf of the audience, thank you for providing. Wow. <laughs> this one was necessary. This this tournament is necessary. We'll see what happens. Um, and as we always say, may, may the, the thing, thing with, with the, the most, most votes win. Thanks to Chase for joining us this week. Chase recently produced an album for the Q's titled Us Who Know, which can be found on Spotify, iTunes, Bandcamp, or wherever you get your music by searching for the Q's or searching for Us Who Know. Give it a listen. Thanks for listening to the Tournament Podcast. Please like, subscribe, and follow the podcast wherever you listen. A five-star rating or a positive review is helpful and appreciated, too. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at TheTourneyPod. You can email us at thetournamentpodcast at gmail.com, or you can visit our webpage at thetridentnetwork.com slash the-tourney-pod. The Tournament Podcast is a part of the Trident Network. To learn more about the Trident Network's videos, live shows, and other podcasts, please visit thetridentnetwork.com. You can also support the podcast by donating to the Trident Network's Patreon at patreon.com slash the Trident Network. The Tournament Podcast is edited by Nia D'Amelio. The theme music was also composed by Nia D'Amelio. Tune in Friday to find out who won the best Beatle tournament.